Welcome to worship at Fusion this morning. We're so glad that you're here in person as well as joining us online. Welcome. At this time, we invite you to stand up and greet one another with the peace of Christ.
Lord said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Amen. Let's sing praises to him this morning.
Well, good morning, Fusion family. Good morning. Good morning. It is uh, a beautiful day, and uh, not so much because of the weather, but uh, because of what we get to witness and claim this morning. Speaking of weather, I, I know the weather hasn't quite been cooperating uh, for us here in West Michigan. It's kind of been cold and dreary. Um, but something I was just noticing, and it happened again this morning, is there's these moments throughout the weekend where the sun has been poking through. Have you noticed that? Um, whatever that means, I think it's a reminder that, that even in some of those shadowy, bad weather days, God's love, God's faithfulness breaks in. Amen? And uh, this morning, we have the privilege and the honor of claiming God's faithfulness, God's promises in baptism over little Cameron Arthur Dean and to welcome him into the family of God. And uh, Cooper, you made my day when you were giving me kind of the binoculars at the beginning of the service. So I see you too, buddy. We're going to have a good time. In, in baptism, and, and we try to say this every time, but there's several, every time we do a baptism, but there's several things happening here this morning. Uh, Kevin and Amanda are, are making promises to Cameron as, as his parents. The other thing that's happening is, is we as a church family are making promises uh, to Cameron as well. Uh, but, but the most incredible thing that's happening this morning is that God makes covenant promises to Cameron uh, according to his abundant grace and love for this little one, um, who God claims Cameron as his covenant child. We say it every time we have a baptism because it is so incredible. Amen. Oh, yeah, yeah, there you go. There's some pictures up there. Yeah, absolutely. And, and we do this because scripture testifies of God's love and faithfulness extended to his people. Uh, God established a covenant long ago, as we've been learning in the story, to Abraham and his descendants. And in Genesis, he gave a sign of that covenant in circumcision, which was given to, to male infants at eight days old, right, as they were just children. Uh, and so, but Jesus Christ comes along and he establishes a new covenant Right, Jesus died on the cross. He established this new covenant uh, so that, that we all can be part of the family of God. And the new sign of that covenant is, is, is baptism, which we can extend to all of God's people. And so that's what we get to do uh, today that, that claim that this little guy is part of God's family. And so we offer the gift of baptism to children as well as adults because we know God's love for us precedes our love for him. While we were yet st still sinners, Christ died for us. And so Cameron does not know how much he is loved by Kevin and Amanda and all those here, um, but it doesn't change the truth of how much you love him. It doesn't change the fact that he is your son. And he's seeing someone, I think he's smiling. I hope he's smiling. Uh, what a cutie. Um, it doesn't change the truth that you love him. It doesn't change the truth that he's your son. In a similar way, even though he doesn't understand it yet, Cameron becomes part of God's family based on God's love for him. And so uh, it's my pleasure to invite the Dean family up front. Kevin, Amanda, Cooper, and Cameron, come on up here as we uh, claim some promises and Cooper, I always want to invite the big brothers and big sisters because you guys have a big responsibility. Do you want to check out the water to make sure that's okay? Do you want to touch it? Because we, we are reminded that one time you were up here. Yeah. How is it? Is it okay? Okay, we're going to be okay. But we're reminded that you were up here one time when you were a baby because you are God's son as well. You are God's child. Pretty cool, huh? God loves you. All right.
they're like, Pastor, quit talking and let's get to it. Kevin and Amanda, because God has given you the responsibility to love and to raise Cameron, I ask you to make the following commitments. And at the end of these questions, I just ask you to answer, we do God helping us. Ready? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Do you accept the promises of God and affirm the truth of the Christian faith, which is proclaimed in the Bible and confessed in this church of Christ? Do you believe that your children, though sinful in nature, are received by God in Christ as members of his covenant and therefore ought to be baptized? And then do you promise in reliance on the Holy Spirit and with the help of the Christian community to do all in your power to instruct Cameron in his Christian faith and to lead him by your example to be Christ's disciple? Kevin and Amanda, what is your response? We do. God helping us. Amen. And now Fusion family, uh, we have the joy and privilege of standing alongside this family to make commitments to Cameron. And so you already know, you already know, you can stand. I love this. And uh, make promises to this family. Uh, People of Fusion, I'm going to ask a question. You can respond in unison. We do God helping us. Do you promise to receive Cameron in love, to pray for him? to help instruct him in the faith, to encourage and sustain him in the fellowship of believers, people of God, what is your response? We do. God helping us. Amen. You may be seated. Not you guys. You guys got to stay up here a little longer. Yeah. And so uh, Fusion, we, we use the French Reformed liturgy. The words are on the screen um, to speak God's truth over our covenant children and and just listen to these words as we, as we claim them over Cameron. Cameron, for you, little child, Jesus Christ has come. He fought. He has suffered. For you, he entered Gethsemane, the horror of Calvary. For you, he uttered the cry, it is finished. For you, he rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. And there he intercedes for you. All this was done for you, little one, though you know nothing of it yet but we will continue to tell you and show you this good news until it becomes your own. And so the promise of the gospel is fulfilled. We love because he first loved us. Man, you're making my day, all those little smiles. All right. What do you think, Cooper? Are we ready? Are you ready? All right. Cameron Arthur, you, my child, are so loved. I baptize you. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, and in the name of the Holy Spirit, amen. 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 What do you think about that, Cooper? Pretty cool. He's like, quit asking me questions in front of everyone. One of the the treats we get to do is we get to ask um, parents... um, to choose a scripture that holds significant meaning for them uh, to be read after the baptism. And, and Kevin and Amanda, you shared that, that Jeremiah 29, 11, uh, holds deep meaning for you and your family. Um, these words were, were written to the people of God. And you noticed this when you shared this, that these words were written to the people of God during a season of exile, uh, a hard and lonely season, one of the hardest seasons for the people of God. And yet, into that season comes this word of hope, a reminder that in those seasons, God is faithful, God is near. Uh, And and you also shared that that this was your brother Nate's favorite verse. And uh, and so we we remember and we honor him with love today. I I cried before you. (laughs) Amanda told me she was gonna cry, but 
but we remind, we're reminded that God is faithful no matter what we face. And so I want to read these words uh, over little Cameron. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. And then the Lord continues to speak this promise to be with the people of God, even in seasons of exile. And he continues, then you will call on me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. We look forward to seeing God's good plan and promises fulfilled in your lives. And we lean into the promise that he will be with you every step of the way. God's people say, amen. We got some goodies though. And Cooper, I'm gonna need your help. You wanna hold some things? Do you wanna hold the, bo the book and the letter? And then I'll give the box to your dad. And that has the French Reformed liturgy when that day comes where Cameron stands before us and says, I believe and I love Jesus with all my heart. We open as a fulfillment of those promises. But now we're gonna pray. And uh, if, if you'd like to extend a hand and just offer your support as we pray uh, over this family, and I'm gonna try to come behind to get all of y'all. All right, let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for your love. We thank you, Lord God, for your faithfulness that you extend to your children. And we thank you, Lord, uh, that Cameron is your dear child. We pray, Lord, that your spirit would continue to work in and through this family in Cameron's life as, as he grows in strength and stature. But Lord, we also pray that he would grow in his faith and his love for Jesus Christ. Lord, continue to, to, to work in and through your people here at Fusion, through the family, through the church family. We've made promises through these parents. Um, and Lord, we look forward to that day when he will stand up here and proclaim his love for Jesus Christ. Come, Lord Jesus, we pray, and God's people say, amen and amen. All right. Now you guys can be seated. <laughs> and at this time, I'd like to uh, invite our, our children uh, who will be heading down for children's worship and Sunday school to head toward the doors at this time. Uh, a reminder as they head that way, as our children are welcome to stay in worship as well. Uh, we, we love it. Uh, whatever you choose as a family, we want to honor and respect and love and support our children in all those different ways. So we'll let the kids come over. And uh, as we offer this blessing, uh, Dee Stahl, our uh, Director of Compassionate Care, will be coming forward to, to offer a word of prayer. But Dee, you want to help me lead this? This is unscripted. This is unscripted. Yeah, Dee's going to help me here. Um, but adults, we're going we're gonna to offer a blessing. And then kids, you know your part? Yeah, you know your part. All right, you ready? The Lord be with you. There we go. Awesome. I love their enthusiasm. Good morning. Um, as Pastor JB said, my name is Dee Stahl, and I have the privilege of working um, with our pastors here doing congregational care. Um, so, and I'm uh, happy to be with you guys this morning. Uh, if you would join me in a word of prayer, a moment. Hear these words from Psalm 111. I will extol the Lord with all my heart in the counsel of the upright and in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. Glorious and majestic are his deeds and his righteousness endures forever. He has caused his wonders to be remembered. The Lord is gracious and compassionate. Dear God, 
We come before you today with hearts full of praise and thanksgiving. As we gather in this place, we are reminded of your goodness and your faithfulness that endure forever. We give thanks for the wonders that you have done and for the wisdom and understanding that you have shown us. As the psalmist writes in Psalm 111, great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. We delight in your works, Lord, and we give you all the glory and honor that is due your name. Today we have gathered and witnessed the profession of faith of David over in celebration, and now this morning the baptism of four babies across our campus, and we celebrate right here in celebration the baptism of Cameron, watershed the baptism of Nora, Jones, and Malone. And as we reflect on the significance of these events and the blessings that they bring, we remember that baptism is a symbol of new life and a commitment to follow Jesus Christ. We remember our own faithful journeys and the ways in which we have been transformed by God's grace. May we continue to grow in our faith and be a source of encouragement and support to those who are beginning their journeys. We pray for these families that they may be filled with the Holy Spirit and guided by God's love and wisdom. We also lift up those in our community who are sick, those who are recovering from surgeries or waiting to have surgery, those who are experiencing broken relationships with persons of significance in their lives or grieving the loss of a loved one. We ask that you comfort them and provide them with the strength and the healing that they need. We know also that there are many things that weigh heavy on hearts of those in our community, things that we are not aware of, but you are. We ask that you be with those who are struggling in ways that we cannot see, and that you provide them with the comfort and the support that they need. We pray for recent world events, asking for your peace and guidance in uncertain times. We ask for your wisdom and guidance for our country's leaders, our president, and those who work within our government, and for our military personnel who serve and protect us, Lord. Protect them, body and spirit, and use them to your glory, Lord. Father, we pray for our supported missionaries who serve in many areas around the world, and for those from our community who serve quietly, sharing their gifts for others' benefit. Use them also for your glory, Lord. We thank you for the Ministry of Neighbors Plus and all the ways that they serve our Holland community, working with families and children, providing hope and a future for many people. And we also pray for Pastor JB this morning as he presents your word to us, asking that you give him the words to speak and the courage to lead us in your ways. We thank you for the celebration community and Pastor Bill. We thank you for the watershed community and Pastor Aaron. We thank you for your love and grace, your gift of salvation, and we ask that you continue to bless us and guide us in all that we do. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, Dee, and good morning again, Fusion. It is a, it is a beautiful, beautiful gift uh, to be part of this community, and I uh, just want to remind everyone, just think and just say thank you for your continued faithfulness. Um, um, 
for your giving financially, we have some giving boxes, and this is just a reminder uh, to continue. As a, that's a reminder to us. That's, that's part of our work. But as we partner together in ministry, uh, it's not just financial. It's all these other things. And, and, and Dee already mentioned this, um, but I, I wanted to share it as well. Uh, the things that are happening across campus this morning, that we are part of, of something bigger than just this body, but there's three worshiping communities of Heart Awake Ministry, and um, there's a profession of faith at nine o'clock in celebration. Um, but not only that, but at celebration, there were, there were seven new covenant partners who became part of our body here at Hardawike, uh, at Watershed baptisms and there's family and legacy. I mean, and then, and then here with the baptism and the pastors, we, we get together every week, uh, Pastor Bill, Pastor Aaron and I, and, and all of a sudden it just struck us that all three of these things were happening on the same Sunday and just, that's worth celebrating uh, and giving praise to God. And so I wanted to share that with you. Um, but we got some work to do, yeah? And so we are continuing our, our, actually nearing the end of a 31 week long series through the story, a journey through the narrative of scripture for our guests, try to catch you up. We won't really catch you up in 31 weeks, but uh, creation, fall, uh, redemption, and restoration. So we're really wrapping up uh, that the first three. Re- restoration is coming. We're going to be studying the book of Revelation. Uh, so if that creates some curiosity, come back next week. We'll be studying the book of Revelation next week, all in one Sunday. So it should be fine. It should be fine. It'll be simple, right? But I hope you've enjoyed the journey. I hope you've enjoyed the journey through the story. I know I've enjoyed it. It's been a lot of fun. Uh, it's been a lot of work and digging into the grand, like all of those things. Um, but this past uh, couple of weeks, we've kind of been uh, looking at the, the early church through the book of Acts. And we've, we've come to the, the final of the three movements that the story lays out of the book of Acts. Um, Paul, and, and we've been looking at Acts, but also looking at Paul's letters uh, to several church communities, which make up the rest of the New Testament after the book of Acts. Uh, this morning, we wrap up Acts by considering chapters 21 through 28. If you remember last week, we looked at Paul's missionary journeys to um, three different journeys in Asia Minor and Macedonia, Greece. Uh, Paul is, is, after those missionary journeys, he's compelled to return to Jerusalem. And the reason is he's got this offering that he wants to give. There's a famine in Jerusalem, so he's compelled to bring in person this offering to Jerusalem. He's warned, though, because returning to Jerusalem, there's some, there's some tensions there. Well, he returns to Jerusalem, he's arrested, and then he's put on trial before a multiple different parties, governors and rulers and Jewish leaders. And, and Luke, I, I think, is, is, is also telling us something. There's some parallels between Jesus' story and Paul's story. And I think Luke is telling us is that to follow Jesus means that we're going to walk a similar journey as Jesus. That's what he's trying to lay out. And, and this is Paul's life. Finally, though, Paul is, appeals to Caesar. He's a Roman citizen, so he appeals to Caesar. And so he gets on a boat and is shipped off to Rome. There's a shipwreck, but eventually he gets to the city, the capital city of Rome. He spends two years in house arrest. And we read this. These are the last verses in the book of Acts. Acts chapter 28, verses 30 to 31. For two whole years, Paul stayed there in his own rented house and welcomed all who came to see him. He proclaimed the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ with all boldness and without hindrance. And the book of Acts ends. Now, we've talked about strange endings when we looked at the book of Mark, but again, here is one of these really brilliant endings to the book of Acts. Um, because what Luke is telling his audience, and that includes us, is that the story is gonna continue. See how that's inspiring? 
that, that the story of, of this Jesus movement does not die with Paul, but it continues to be carried forward by the power of the Spirit at work through disciples like you and like me. That's pretty, that's pretty awesome. I think that's incredible. Anyway, this morning, though, our text, we're going to be turning to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy is likely written sometime after the book of Acts concludes. 2 Timothy is believed to be Paul's final letter. Uh, we know from what Paul writes is he's back in prison. He doesn't believe he's going to survive. And so he's writing these final words to Timothy, who is a co-worker, but, but also been like kind of this apprentice, kind of this person that, that Paul has been investing in and discipling. And notice even here in our text that Paul refers to Timothy as his son, which gives us an idea of the closeness of their relationship. Paul is writing to encourage Timothy excuse me, to continue in his calling, to follow Jesus, to lead the church in Ephesus. And it's a word that I think continues to carry meaning for the church today. And that's what our hope is, is what we can glean from this word of encouragement from Paul to Timothy and how that translates into our context. So turn with me. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter two, if you have a Bible, open it. Otherwise, it'll be on the screen. If you're also willing and able, I invite you to stand as we honor God as God speaks to us this morning. 2 Timothy chapter two, we'll be reading verses one through 13 this morning. Paul writing to Timothy. You then, my son, Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of of Christ Jesus. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. Verse 8, remember Jesus Christ, raised from the dead, descended from David. This is my gospel for which I am suffering, even to the point of being chained like a criminal. But God's word is not chained. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Here is a trustworthy saying. If we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. You join me in a word of prayer. Lord God, we thank you for your word. Once again, Lord, we remember, Holy Spirit, how you have preserved these words. And Lord, in the reading and in the interpretation, Spirit, we pray that you would speak that you would open hearts, that you would open minds so that in all of these things we'd be encouraged and challenged to live our lives in faithful service and surrender to our Lord Jesus Christ. And it's his name that we pray all these things. Amen and amen. This morning, I, I, I must say, uh, baptisms are, are one, of my, one of my favorite thing. And 
Sorry, I'm throwing your picture on the screen again, guys. But uh, just looking at looking at little Cameron there on the right. <laughs> we totally planned that, like on cue, right? He's uh, and of course all of our kids. But he's he's a cutie, right? He's a cutie. And you look at that picture of Cameron, and you see him making these cute sounds. And and I don't know, Kevin, Amanda, you're probably just thinking, oh man, that boy, how could he ever disappoint us? You know, like. <laughs> How could that cute kid ever grow up to ever disappoint us in any possible way, you know? And then, and then our kids get older, and, and we kind of chuckle because we know uh, that, that our kids get older. They, they develop a will of their own, and, and pretty soon, at a, at a very young age, we learn, you know, we learn the reality of certain doctrines like original sin. And to, no, I'm just kidding. Uh, but yeah, but right? But we're all broken, and we're all kind of a work in progress, Right. And, uh, and so, I, you know, I wanted to kind of make a little transition, but, but here, here's an example. There's a picture of me at my baptism, nowhere near as cute as Cameron. I think I was pretty grumpy. There was other things going on in my life there. But anyway, um, there are my parents, and, and there you go. Um, I'm sure they're so excited that I put on old. Anyway, that's some major styles in the 1980s. And uh, they're, they're, that's June 5, 1983. Um, and so that was my baptism, and, and I was just thinking, you know, my parents had all of these same hopes, like how in the world could this beautiful, precious little boy ever grow up to disappoint us? But, but you know, then, then kids, we get older, and, and we, we, we go off to college, and, and we make decisions, right? And, uh, and then we end up with, with that. Um, that's a Halloween party in 2004. That, do you know the character? Ron Burgundy, yeah, okay, I apologize for that, yeah. A little backstory, that is the first picture Yvonne ever saw of me uh, on MySpace. And she was like, no way. <laughs> Love ya. Anyway, just kind of a fun way to say that as parents, we, we have these longings for our kids, Right? We, we long and we desire and we pray for God's best in their lives. We, we pray that they would grow. For Christian parents, our primary thing is that we would pray that they would grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. We pray that they would come and they would mature in their faith and that they would, they would say, yes, I love Jesus Christ. And, and as we claim baptisms, that's what we're claiming, right? And sometimes that path takes a winding path, but we claim that God is faithful and God makes these promises in baptism. And, and, and as I was reflecting on, on Paul's posture toward Timothy, I mean, I think this is the kind of desire that Paul has for, for young Timothy, a desire for, for God's best for Timothy. And I think that's captured in, 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 the, in him calling Timothy his son. The same longing that, that we as parents, but we as a church family have for our children and, and all of us, really, that we would continue to grow and mature in our love and our faith in Jesus Christ. What I want to do this morning is, is, is simply to explore Paul's appeal to Timothy in chapter 2, to consider how this encouragement from Paul continues to carry meaning into our lives. Really, what we want to talk about is, what does it mean to be faithful? And how is Paul encouraging Timothy to be faithful? Because what, what Paul understands is that his life is coming, nearing its end. He understands that he likely will be executed. 
but he understands that it's not up to him, but it's up to the Spirit's work. And there's this beautiful line that we don't really get to explore in verse two, where he talks about teach these things to others who can then teach to others. Like the, the work of the Spirit continues through discipleship where we disciple people who disciple people. And, and that's a whole other sermon, but I don't want us to miss that either. Instead, but we want to just focus on faithfulness. Let's begin right here in verse one where, where Paul opens with these words which are essentially an appeal to be faithful. He says, you then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. See, for Paul, he understands that, that being faithful in the first century, the, the climate, the temperature is getting turned up on the early church by the Roman Empire. And Paul understands this, and he understands for Timothy to be faithful is going to require strength. The word there for, for be strong is actually, the root word is dunamis, power. So it, it really, more better translated, be empowered because to be faithful in this season is going to require a power that comes from above because of this persecution and suffering that will continue to ramp up in the years ahead. And Paul sees this coming because he's in prison and he's about to be executed. For Timothy, Paul understands being faithful to the gospel will not be easy. And not only that, will involve and likely require suffering for Timothy. And he wants Timothy to realize and understand this reality. So Paul offers three word pictures that kind of help un us unpack and understand what is faithfulness, what does being faithful look like in difficult circumstances, and he uses these kind of rapid fire word pictures, okay? Uh, and the word pictures are of a soldier and an athlete and a farmer. I just want to briefly unpack those, again, kind of from a higher level. We're not, we're not going to get exhaustive or go into great depth, but let's notice what each of the images teach us about faithfulness. First, let's look at a soldier. Paul just kind of mentions in just a couple sentences, a good soldier is loyal in their service and their desire to please their commanding officer. A soldier is all about pleasing the commanding officer. Now for Christ followers, who's our commanding officer? Jesus, right? So, so as a, for a Christ follower, it is about a life of service under Jesus' reign, right? We are, we are living in service to Jesus Christ. That's helpful, faithfulness. Second illustration, an athlete. An athlete, the, 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 the context here is the Roman games, right? And there are all kinds of, the, the, kind of the, the Olympics, right? Yeah, the Roman games, Greek games. So and, and to be an athlete requires training. It requires discipline. It often requires years of training and preparation. Like how many of us just wake up one morning and be like, you know what, I think this morning I'm gonna grab a cup of coffee and, and run a marathon, right? That doesn't, it doesn't work that way, right? It requires years and years of training. And in fact, part of the rules for the, those ancient Roman Olympics was there was a set period of training and preparation before you could compete in the games. So an athlete, faithfulness means, includes preparation and discipline. Third illustration, a farmer. A farmer is, is, is a life defined by hard work, right, and faith. Think about a farmer. There's few other occupations in the world, particularly before some of the modern advances in technology. There's few, few occupations that require so much hard work, right? And not only does farming require just incredible hard work, but it also is so dependent on outside variables. I mean, think about a farmer. You do all of this work to plant the seeds, but at the end of the day, Bad weather can spoil a whole crop. 
And here in West Michigan, some of this weather and the cold temperatures, like it's putting some of our fruit trees at risk, like hard work and faith. But all of that toil and hard work leads to a harvest, fruit, right, for one's labor. Again, faithfulness for the Christ follower involves hard work, faith that leads to a harvest or fruit. Now, there's three things that kind of hold all of the, they're not three things, but all three of these illustrations, notice what they all share in common. All three represent a commitment to something higher than oneself, a higher goal, if you will, and it requires a willingness to sacrifice, to endure hardship toward that end. What a powerful word to young Timothy who's facing resistance and persecution, that there is something greater than himself that he's working toward. These are powerful illustrations. And notice what we're about to read is the example of Paul who becomes another example, another illustration, one who's enduring suffering for a greater cause, which is the gospel. Go back to even Jesus, one who endured great suffering for the salvation of all of us. Powerful, powerful illustrations. What does it require in being faithful in suffering? What's also curious, I, I wanna also just touch on briefly is, is, is notice what Paul mentions specifically to avoid. Did you catch that on there? There's a couple of things that Paul says to avoid. Uh, two things he mentions we should avoid. First illustrated in the soldier getting entangled in civilian affairs and then of an athlete who, who must compete according to the rules. Um, in other words, we, we, we as the church, we, we need to avoid being distracted from our primary mission by other matters that are secondary. And it highlights how we accomplish that mission matters maybe as much as the mission itself. Let's talk about each of those briefly, distractions. Can, can we be honest, in our, in our global, hyper-connected world, there are plenty of things that can pull us away from our primary mission, amen? I mean, uh, there, there are so many things, messages coming our way. We have these little pocket computers and, and constantly, I think there's like, we receive thousands and thousands of messages every day uh, from phones and other media sources. Just think about some of the things that can consume our energy and, and, and quite frankly, many of those things are worthwhile endeavors and important things, right? But there's so many things that can then pull our attention and our energy from, from politics to uh, the blaming and demonizing and polarization in our world, from economic uncertainty that certainly we're, we're facing to, to all kinds of justice debates that we can get into or, or, or the, the, the horrendous acts of violence that continue to happen in our country and our world and wars and natural disasters. There's all kinds of things that, that are important that are, that are worth addressing, and yet they can become consuming. And there's this pressure in our world to, work, we feel compelled that we have to comment and, and say something, or we have to do something about all of these things. It's impossible to keep up. Now again, it's not that we shouldn't be concerned with these things. We should be concerned about the things of this world, but we cannot lose sight of our mission chasing after other things. Because I think what happens is the mission of the church, which is to, to share the good news of the gospel, not only in the words we say, but also in how we treat and love people, that takes a back seat to these other things that, that can easily become impersonal and ineffective. We cannot lose sight of our mission because actually when we're living into our mission, so often those other things come right behind. Are you with me? The second thing, we can't let the issues take the place of our mission. The second thing, unethical means. 
I think we've all heard the phrase, uh, the ends justifies the means. We've heard it. That's not a Christian idiom, okay? That's not a Christian statement. How we live into our mission, it matters. The means matter. In fact, this word we're talking about, faithfulness, is all about how we live. And if we as the church of Jesus Christ, if we lack integrity, if we lack character, then so often we've lost our witness. And that's a huge, huge problem. I think the illustration of the athlete's really helpful because it's, it's kind of like the athlete who competes and wins, but then later you find out they've been doing steroids, right? Or cheating and stealing signals. Sorry, baseball, I'm kind of picking on you right now, right? But that's a problem. As followers of Jesus Christ, faithfulness requires that we live with integrity and character. The how matters. We've got to avoid distractions that, that take us away from the gospel, the mission, and we need to maintain integrity as the church. I think those are two important words, particularly for our time today. And then finally, verse seven reminds us that it requires us to listen and discern for the moment. Uh, Paul writes this in verse seven, reflect on what I'm saying for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. Certainly, he's referring to the three illustrations, but I think it has a broader application. Because we can't live faithfully if, if we do not have a firm grasp on what faithfulness looks like, right? We have to understand what does faithfulness actually look like and to find that we look to the scriptures. But, but we also cannot live faithfully if we're not in tune with the one who can reveal what that looks like in our context. It requires discernment. Because so often, what does faithfulness look like in this specific context or this specific example, it's, it's hard, it's nuanced. Like, how do we live into that? We need discernment, okay? This is, this is what, first, let's talk about the first one, God's word. This is why Paul will later say in 2 Timothy verse three that all scripture is God-breathed. It's useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. We look to the scriptures because the scriptures teach us and show us what does it mean to live faithfully, to do all the good works God is calling us to live into, right? And then we should also pay particular attention, I think, uh, to the gospels. Because it's through Jesus Christ that, that, that God, the gospels are fulfilled. So we read, the gospel, we read the scriptures through the lens of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so, friends, we should be, we should be spending time in God's word. And, and, and I'm guilty of this as a pastor, but I should be spending more time in the Gospels and learning and meditating on the life and the teaching and the witness of, of Jesus Christ because he's the one I'm, I'm, I'm seeking to live after, right? The scriptures. And then finally, we must listen to the Spirit because, because how to live faithfully in certain situations can be challenging. And so what does it mean to, to be attentive to the Spirit, not only individually, but also as a community? What does it mean to pray, and not just pray and, and, and speak, but pray and, and listen? That's a challenge for me as well. This coming summer, we're gonna spend the, the summer looking at the Lord's Prayer. And the hope is not only are we gonna learn about the Lord's Prayer and some of the theology behind that, which I'm excited about, quite frankly, but our hope is that, that we'll also be challenged to kind of live into practices of prayer. And so I'm looking forward to that, not only as a community, but personally as well, um, because again, it's so easy to get distracted by the screens and all these other things. For me, it's sports. Uh, and 
I gotta quit talking about my sports teams on a whim. My bucks lost. Anyway, so now I'm freed up. I'm freed up to listen and not be distracted. See, because it's not our effort that produces faithfulness, but it's God's work in and through us through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we can, we can the, the illustrations kind of tell us, yes, do this and avoid this, but at the end of the day, it's God's work in and through God's people. And so we need to listen and be discerning. That's the what is faithfulness. Let's talk about the why. Paul goes on to talk about the why. Why do we pursue faithfulness? Uh, Paul says, Jesus Christ raised from the dead, the gospel, this is why I'm suffering. And I wanna say amen. Why, why do we choose faithfulness? Why do we live into faithfulness? Because of the gospel. But then he continues. But he endures and pursues remaining faithful for the sake of the elect, he writes in verse 10, that they too may obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Why are we called to faithfulness? It's for the sake of the gospel. Certainly faithfulness pleases God that shows our gratitude, but Paul also reminds us that we remain faithful to God for those who might come to faith. Faithfulness is important for our own well-being. It's important for our own walk with Christ. And even though our, our, our eternal salvation, as we were powerfully reminded in baptism, is not dependent upon our faithfulness, it's not, it's not that we, we do enough, we live up to a certain standard, and that's how we have, no, no, that's not, our salvation is by grace through faith. But here's what Paul says. Here's, here's something that we do need to know, is that our, our salvation, other salvation is not up to us, but God's plan might be to use us to reveal his love to others. Think about that. I can't think of, of a greater joy than for, for God to work through us to reveal God's love and the good news of the gospel into someone else's life. What a privilege that is to be used in that way. Uh, our faithfulness might have a direct impact on someone's faith journey. And, and, and when we stand and make promises to our little ones, and again, I wanna broaden that. It's not just the promises we make to our children. It's the promises we make to each other. We promise faithfulness because God use, that's how God works. He uses God's people to bring about his good plans. And it can come in a multitude of ways. That faithfulness can, can be one of those Sunday school teachers who's maybe struggling right now to keep our kids in line and thinking, I'm not doing a great job, but you know what? You're there and you're showing up in those kids' lives. It might, it might be a, a visitor comes on a Sunday morning and you say, hey, I'm so glad you're here. Looking for a spot? Come sit with us. It might be you feeling compelled to, to invite someone who's been visiting regularly to come over for dinner and, and get to know them on a deeper level. It, 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 might be, it might be sitting with someone and saying absolutely nothing because you don't have words to say anything according to what they're experiencing. So you just sit there and you listen and you cry and you're with them because what they're experiencing is beyond words. The faithfulness is showing up and it all matters in God's grand plan of redemption and healing in people's individual journeys. Our lives, our call to faithfulness after all is not about our own salvation. It's not about us. The world doesn't simply revolve around us. It's about something greater. It's God's kingdom. It's the gospel, the kingdom breaking into earth. And so your faithfulness is not only about you. I mean, there is something about us, but it's for the sake of others. It's for the sake of the gospel. It's for a greater good farmer 
athlete and a soldier, right? And so we endure and we sacrifice because we see that greater purpose. And then finally, as we close, how? How can we possibly live this way? How do we find strength to endure and to pursue faithfulness, especially in seasons of trial and suffering? Paul ends this section of his letter to Timothy with a beautiful poem that reminds us that Christ Jesus is faithful. How do we endure? How do we live faithfully? It's because of the faithfulness of Jesus Christ. He refers, this beautiful poem, he refers to it as a trustworthy saying. Scholars believe it's, it's likely an early Christian hymn. And I just want to read it once again. If we died with him, we also live with him. If we endure, we also reign with him. If we disown him, he will also disown us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. There's really two movements in this poem. The first movement is highlighted in yellow on the screen. The poem reminds us in a beautiful way that our, that our faithfulness, our suffering, and even our death will be followed by eternal glory. Our faithfulness, this, this, this life and what we endure in this life and the suffering that might come, it comes with a promise that gives us strength, it gives us courage, and it gives us hope when things get hard. Because when we, 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 are, we are united with Christ, and so we die with Christ, we're raised with Christ. When we suffer just as Christ suffered, then we are gonna reign with Christ. There is this promised hope of eternal salvation. It is good news. It is beautiful. It is what, it is what gives us hope each and every day, amen? That's a beautiful thing. But then there's a second movement of the poem uh, that reminds us how faithful Christ is through a curious couple of lines. He writes, if we, if we disown him, he will also disown us. And we think to ourselves, well, that's a curious line that doesn't really make us think of faithfulness, right? But remember, faithfulness is tied to the idea of, of covenant, Basically what the poem is saying, that, that if we disown Christ, if we say, you know what, Jesus, I want nothing else to do with you. I don't want anything to do with you. If we reject Jesus, if we reject his covenant promises, if we say, if we say I've had enough, leave me alone, part of faithfulness of God is he'll respect that wish. He's not gonna force us. He'll respect our wish and desire to reject him and say, okay. See, sometimes as a parent, depending on the age, right, the, sometimes we need, to, we need to let our kids go. If you've parented, sometimes you, you, gotta, you gotta let your kids try something and learn the lesson, right? And that's a really tough thing. I'm guessing as you get older, it's tougher. But you gotta let them go. And I think in a similar way, sometimes God has to let his children go to learn and to figure out what life is like without him. And yet the poem doesn't end there. And I want us to realize that. If it's simply a matter of, of us losing faith, then God reminds us how faithful he is to the covenant. Because sometimes the reality of this life is life comes at us hard and fast we experience suffering. 
we experience seasons when it's just hard to believe. And here is where we lean into the faithfulness of God. And we lean into these images that Jesus Christ gives us of a God who is faithful even when we are weak and broken and at the bottom of a ditch. We lean into an image of of a good shepherd who leaves the 99 sheep and he goes after that lamb that has been lost so that he can bring that sheep back into the fold. We lean into images of, of a father whose son has disowned him and has squandered all of his wealth in a foreign land. And where is that father yet at the end of that parable? He's standing at the city gate and he's watching for his son to return. And when he sees his son who's still a long ways off, what does he do? He runs toward him. That's the God we serve. That's who God is. From Exodus 34, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. That's the God we serve. Those are the promises we claimed in little Cameron's life. And because of that, because of that reality, as we claim promises for our little ones, we claim those promises, we're reminded of those promises in our own lives. We can endure suffering, we can endure heartache, we can endure pain because we trust that God is good even when we can't understand or see it. And so we pursue faithfulness because God is faithful. And he chooses to operate through people like you and like me, ordinary people. God works through communities of faith just like this one. To love one another, to encourage one another, to walk with one another through the most impossible of circumstances. And that's what we, that's what we are hoping and praying that we continue to grow into. I, I shared this in, in my email and I shared it a couple weeks ago, but the, I didn't share this part a couple weeks ago, but I, I was really emotional a couple weeks ago talking about the church I grew up in because they're gonna have their last worship service next this coming Saturday. And, and, and there's something that grieves me about that. And yet there's hope because, because the Spirit is continuing to work through the people who grew up in that church. The Spirit is continuing to work through that location, that spot, because our God is faithful. It's not up to us. It's, just up, it's up to God at work through us. So for parents this morning, both biological and spiritual, and we're all spiritual parents, right? We continue to invest faithfully in the spiritual formation and growth of those who God has entrusted to our care. And as they grow and as they mature and make decisions for themselves, we lean into the faithfulness of God. Paul understood this, which was why he keeps writing letters even into his final days to his disciple, Timothy. And the Spirit's work continued to carry that work for 2,000 years, and we are evidence of the Spirit's work to continue in faithfulness through disciples, empowering disciples by the work of the Holy Spirit. That's my prayer, that we'd be faithful, that we would endure because our God is faithful. You join me in a word of prayer. Lord God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the scriptures which continue to speak life as we think about 
the movement of the early church is told in the book of Acts. As we, we think about your disciple, Paul, who has, continue, has continued to pour into the lives of, of churches and disciples. And then we stand back and look at 2,000 years of human history. We see that what was to come could only be a work of God. And we pray, Holy Spirit, that we'd continue to listen, that we'd continue to to look to you, to your word, as we learn and discern how to do life together as your people, how to be faithful, because our God is faithful. We pray this in Christ's name, amen. Amen, we invite you to stand and sing with us.
And we did not want to miss singing that. Amen. <laughs> One of the things I think it's we, we forget because Easter happens, uh, but liturgically in the church calendar, we're still in the season of Eastertide. And it's a reminder to us that we are, we are resurrection people. That God calls us to faithfulness, yes, but ultimately it's because God is faithful. And, and I, did, I invited you last week, but feel free to come and experience a tangible sign that God is faithful, that death is not the end but comes life, that, that suffering is, is not for naught, there, there is reigning, that, that in brokenness there is healing and reconciliation because we are a resurrection people. So when a church in Milwaukee, Wisconsin closes its doors, the gospel is not chained. God is at work in our midst through you and through me. May we be inspired by that and receive God's blessing. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, may the love of God the Father Almighty and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all now and forevermore. God's people say, amen.